Welcome to Lunch with Lyle. This is Lyle Troxel. Today, a really quick one. Just some thoughts I had about a podcast I was listening to and about crypto art. <laughs> NFTs, non-fungible tokens. I was just listening to Sam Harris's podcast, Making Sense, and he was doing kind of a Q&A section. The title of it is 272 on Disappointing My Audience. Now, I subscribe to his paid location, um, so it might not be a public episode. I'm not really sure. He was talking, he covered a lot of issues, um, and I tend to agree with a lot of things he says. I think he's, I think he has some problems with really understanding the emotional impact of other people and how they feel about the world. The space that I think he falls down and fails on pretty badly is both understanding that maybe we're attacking each other too much around identity politics, and he's very anti-identity politics in every single way, and I think he's shifted too far into that direction. I think there is some serious work needing to be done as a society around our racism, our sexism, and we are doing our best, I hope, as a society to address those. And it's going to be messy to shift our way of thinking. So in any case, that's one place where I disagree. So the other thing that Sam Harris brought up this time is some idea about NFTs. Now, NFTs are non-fungible tokens. You've probably heard about them. They're a product of the blockchain, which is famously uh, first first declared as a, a important thing in society with the advent of digital currency, specifically Bitcoin. And um, I've been covering that technology for a long time on my technology program, GeekSpeak. There's a really some fundamentally cool ideas in that space, in this blockchain, in this cryptocurrency space, in the space where you can publicly have records of transactions and anybody can prove them. This shifts the idea of truth to the mass. And that is interesting because when you isolate truth into PowerPoints, power locations, those power locations can make decisions that modify what truth is. Uh, classically, a um, dictatorial re regime might have control of all media and therefore they can tell any story they want and people tend to believe what they hear. It's hard not to believe a lie if you have no countering information. So centralized power of truth is potentially problematic. And the blockchain public idea of sharing all the transactions and letting anybody prove it has an interesting concept of coming to truth or coming to an understanding of, of large groups understanding. But that's about where I leave the place of this is the answer to everything. And there are a lot of reasons for that. But one of the major reasons has to do with practicality. And I'm much more interested in being practical, in being pragmatic about things than I am about being idealistic about things. I love idealism. I love the idea that we explore what is possible and we think about that. But I think you need to always tie it down to how humans interact and how we actually deal with things in life. When I was very young, I was really interested in getting rid of all religion. And now I think of that as so unimportant in the grand sense of things that 
what I mean unimportant is that what does it actually mean to get rid of people's beliefs? What does it actually mean to get rid of some concept that's important to people? Well, it means to change people. And if I'm going to focus on changing people, why not focus on on bringing people's good ideas up, on empowering people to be better to each other, on community reliance and strength, on on just <laughs> I think I think you know being good to humans. That's what I'd want to change about people. I wouldn't want to change their thoughts on what is the right way to think about the afterlife. So, in any case, that idea of let go of right. So. Idealism gets you to a point of not a non-action. It, it becomes problematic or you start becoming in this fight where you're actually just fighting about um, ideology. Biology. So the crypto space to me feels very much like that. The Bitcoin cryptocurrency blockchain environment feels very much like that. Okay. So what about NFTs? This is about art. This is about copyright. This is about saying you own something, about to proving who owns something. Well, is that, has that ever really been a problem? Has it really ever been a problem to say, I created this work, I own it, versus here's a piece of work that has an unknown artist owner, claiming maybe you claim it's yourself, and maybe there is a bit of fraud in that space? The problem is NFTs do nothing about that. They don't help with that situation at all. I could take a piece of work, some artwork, some an episode of the show, and I could mint a NFT, a non-fungible token. I could mint that by taking the entire media file that is this show. It's a binary file that can be on the disk. When your computer subscribes to a podcast, you actually copy it to your computer. Even if you're streaming, you're copying bits of it to your computer. There's no way to listen to anything, to see anything through a computer without getting a copy of it on your machine. That's just the, that's just how it works. It's copies all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> like turtles all the way down. Copy, 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 copy. You could say the definition of the internet is copies of things. So you get a copy of this MP3 file, which is this podcast, or a drawing I've made, or a photograph I've taken. And I could take it, because I have it first, and I had the binary first. I can do anything I want with it before I put it out in the world. So I can do this thing, which makes it an NFT, by... It basically is encoding it, but basically a mathematical equation on the binary data. And I now have this minted thing that says Lyle owns this binary blob and everybody starts learning about it because it's on the blockchain. So now it's very clear who owns this binary file. Okay, cool. Except it's clear to who? Well, it's clear to those people that run software that check the blockchain. Now, if everybody's doing it, then sure enough, that's true. It is confirmed by the everybody. But, you know, the truth of all these crypto things is that there's a bit of money involved in running this software. And that system produces people that are in that place and making the proofs of work. And the truth is that becomes the cartel that controls it. And I say cartel negatively, obviously. My point is that the people that run the blockchain, that run the proofs, that make the money of it, are the ones that decide that. Now, it's distributed, and anybody can do it, and that's kind of cool. But it's not everybody in the world knows that this is your thing. It's people that run the system know that it's your thing. Just like an expert might know somebody's work, or a museum might know this artist's catalog. There's lots of ways to know the work and whose it is. 
And this is just another one that happens to be mathematically provable, which is interesting intellectually, but practically, is it? So now I, I publish the podcast and all of you copy this MP3 file to your computer. If you're subscribed to the podcast, hopefully you're subscribing to it rather than just find them randomly. But in any case, you copy to your computer and you, and you listen to it. And in some future date, someone else takes this show or one of my photographs and they say, I made this or they try to sell it. Let's say they try to sell it. They make some money off it. They sell it to some other company and they make up $100. Technically, that was copyright infringement, right? Because I am the one that owns the copyright on that. I don't give them permission to make money on my copyright. By the way, this podcast is share and share alike, which means you can take the audio from this podcast. You can reuse it in any way you want, as long as you give me credit. And in your new work, um, so you have to mention me or let me let people know that I exist. That's how it works. You can do anything you want. You can remix it. You can sell it if you want. That's fine. Uh, the only rule I have on my copyright of my podcast, most podcasts I make that I publish myself is that the credit has to be given some way. But in any case, let's say I want to tell this person, no, I get that money. You don't get that money and take them to court and all that. Okay. So now the question is I, I go and I, I try to prove that that's my audio. Well, right off the bat, the art itself is pretty clear, but also I published it. And when I published it in the public domain, hundreds of people downloaded it. So all those people kind of know I was the one that published it. The work in this case kind of speaks for itself. But let's say it was a photograph where it's a little harder to say who took the picture. Well, I'd probably put it on my website or put it on Facebook with, um, I mean, that's not a copyright issue, but let's say I put it on my website and I have a date on that and it's out there. Well, the website's crawled every once in a while. Google indexes and points to it. It is true that it's possible someone could beat me in court about it, but I actually also have a raw file of it that I kept. But also that was my camera model. Like there's so much other data that shows that that's my thing, that the token aspect of it, yeah, that is more of a proof, if you will, that the original audio file was mine. But here's the thing that's so confusing. If you take the audio file that is this show or the photograph that is my show and you encode it or change it in any way and then resave it, you can then put it back on the blockchain. You can then make another non-fungible token. So... That one would be after mine if it was on the same blockchain, but there's other blockchains. So it is true that it shows, it is a way to say this is a proof, but another way to do it would be potentially to release it and print it or to keep the original and only make a smaller JPEG version or to keep the wave file in the sense of these things and only provide the MP3, which is what I do. In that situation, it's relatively clear there is an original source of this thing. So that's my problem with it. It doesn't do much. On top of that, what benefit do you really get to saying that you own that thing? Well, I guess a collection perspective. And, and this comes down to what this idea of possession is and what the idea of objects is. I, I'm not a very superstitious person, right? But if you gave me a really, really good sweater and I love this sweater and I put it on, I wore it every day. And I was like totally happy with the sweater. And then a month later, you told me, oh, by the way, that sweater was used by a mass murderer for two years. Um, he actually killed like two people while he was wearing that sweater. That sweater would change for me. Even though it was the same sweater, it would change for me. The story behind it does matter. And I would be likely to stop wearing it or even sell it for money because other people collect that kind of creepy thing. 
So I get that the object story does matter. But most of what I feel about the NFT market, the non-fungible token space, is its hype. It's technology bandwagging. It's a lot of people that are really excited about this space being this new provable thing you can't copy or whatever. And I'm really, the biggest thing I'm concerned about is that people think because of this technology, you can't copy it. That is not true. You can completely copy it in every single way. There's nothing stopping you. Digital stuff, by definition, is copyable. That's the biggest thing about it. We reduce it to a set that's defined by a number, and that number can be passed around. All the files we're talking about, everything on the internet, anything that gets transferred, when you talk about data, that is a number. And numbers, by definition, are the thing they are. Once you know that number, you have a copy of it. It's almost meaningless to say that you have a copy of it, actually. If I have a number and you have a number, we both know the number. If you have the number 12 and I have the number 12, it's not like I have a copy of your 12 or you have a copy of my 12. There's no meaning to it in that sense. It's a concept. It's not an object. And that's the thing is that even though when I was talking about the sweater from the, from the mass murder thing, that, that, that brain idea, that mind game, we both understood that there is something true about an object because of the story. And it's good that we have object concept with stories because we are embodied people and we engage in the world. And that's great. And at the same time, we kind of also understand that it's just a sweater. But the point about these files, this stuff that we copy on digital computers, is they're not objects. They're not embodied. They do not exist in any way except for conceptually that number, the pattern of bits. And when you copy from one to the other, it's not like the old one has a different embodiment in any way than the new one. And I'm not even talking like the ship of Theseus. I'm talking even more fundamental than that. It's less of a thing. It's less of an object. It is just knowledge. And so when I say I make a copy of it and the secondary copy, it doesn't even make sense to say it's a copy or not. So when you buy an expensive NFT representing that you, quote, own the copy, well, you own you, you own the concept, but you don't actually have anything that you own because copies of it are free and cheap and easy. So it's just the hype that you own. It's just the label that you own. It's just the, it's just bragging rights, maybe. So as long as people understand it's not about copy protection, it's not about protecting the ability to keep on doing bad things with the other people's stuff or with infringing on copy and all those things, all it is is about potentially in the future in court or in a public sphere, a truth being true, um, that you own it or you're the first one to make it or whatever. Even then, the minutia of that gets really, really complicated. And I don't know how important it is. So... I have stayed away from that space. I have not minted NFTs. I haven't decided to play in that space. And I, anytime I hear about it, I'm like, ugh, because I understand the complexity of it. And I just don't think it's that great. But I do think it's great that you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and subscribing to it. I really appreciate it. Hey, throw me an email if you'd like or hit me up on the socials and say hi. My name is Lyle Troxel. I have four or five podcasts I do. You can learn all about them all at troxel.com. That's T-R-O-X-E-L-L dot com.
Thank you. Thank you.